This is the Commercial Property Cashflow Blueprint Podcast. Big cashflow property secrets from retired Byron Bay surfing fanatic and commercial property expert, James Dawson. Hi everyone, James Dawson here. Welcome to my Commercial Property Investing Podcast. And in today's podcast, I'd like to have a quick chat about problems that sometimes can come up when you're doing your due diligence on a property. Now sometimes things come up and you think, wow, this is just insurmountable, I'm gonna pull it out of this deal. But quite often there's a way around these things. And I'm gonna use an example today of a person buying a property and then they've found out that there's been no fire compliance done for some time and in fact uh, the building may be non-compliant. Now the background of this deal is that the person who owns the building is actually the tenant in the building as well. So they haven't actually performed the compliance and somehow it slipped through the gap because most councils, particularly New South Wales, will require an annual fire audit to be done of the building and that's done by a private certifier or contractor. It could be, say, someone like Warmald Fire. There's, a, there's quite a lot of these fire contractors about and what they actually do is, is check the smoke detectors, the exit signs, fire extinguishers, all those things that are in the property to make it safe. Now in this particular deal, and of course every deal is different, the owners of the property as I mentioned are also the tenants of the property and then they're selling the property to a buyer who is then going to lease it back to them. And sometimes you find this in quite a few deals that the owners want to get the cash out of the building but then also want to stay there. And it can be a great win-win deal actually because You've got a person that's built their business in that property and then they want to stay on as a, as a tenant. But getting back to the real issue here is that there may be a problem in that there is no fire compliance or they certainly haven't had uh, an inspection of the property for some time. So a lot of people would simply walk away from a deal like that and say, oh, look, it's just in the too hard basket. But I don't think you should do that because you may be in a position where it can be all sorted out and it can be all paid for by the person selling the property. Because in actual fact, depending on what the issue is, sometimes it's a building fault issue, it might be some sort of construction issue like a you know, rusty roof or something wrong with the floor, and that can be negotiated during the time of the sale. But in this particular one, because it's a safety issue, you really want to make sure it's sorted out properly. So for whatever reason, they haven't done the fire audit. And my first point of action would be to ask the selling agent to approach the vendors of the property and say, look, they need to get a fire audit done. And you could do this a number of ways. You could actually get the contract adjusted saying, look, need a fire audit done and all things brought up to date. That's probably the simplest way of doing it. That way the responsibility is theirs to fix up. Now just by the way, when you have a tenant in a property that does have uh, fire servicing equipment in there, you know, fire extinguishers, smoke detectors, exit signs, etc. Every year there should be an audit performed. Now, as a landlord, that is an outgoing. I, I think uh, my last one that I had done was about $300. And typically what the audit companies do is they'll provide you a list of things that need fixing up. So if there's a bulb out in the exit light, for example, they will tell you that that's gonna cost you know, $45 to repair and they give you a quote and then you can go ahead and have those things fixed up either by them or by your own electrician, for example. Now with this particular deal, of course, 
uh, I would probably try and get this sorted out by way of having it in the contract and make it so it was no cost to you and then you could move forward from there. I would make sure as per the norm in most commercial leases if there is uh, fire equipment in the property, some strata title properties for example don't have too much, they might just have a smoke detector in there, but make sure that the tenant is responsible to maintain all that equipment up to the proper standard that's required by the annual fire audit. So the real moral of the story here is that when something comes up that can sound very major during your due diligence period or even perhaps before you've made an offer, simply try and change the terms of the offer and or the contract so that these things are resolved. I recently helped a friend with another purchase in a regional area and this property was an older, large commercial property, uh, also had a couple of residential apartments as well. And during a building inspection, it was found that there was some you know, rotten window sills and some cracked glass and a few rusty roof sheets as well. And also the back car park, the bitumen had all uh, broken up and needed resurfacing. Now, it perhaps was a little bit cheeky, but my uh, friend actually asked via her solicitor that the vendors fix all this stuff up prior to settlement and we thought okay they might come back and say look we'll pay half or we won't do it at all um, but they actually came back and said that they would do the whole lot fix all the repairs and actually reseal the car park so it could be you know thirty forty thousand dollars worth of work uh, it was a property that was around three million dollars so for from the owner's point of view they probably thought wow these people might pull out of the sale so we're going to do this work just to make sure that the sale goes through. So it's always worth a try. I mean, they can honestly just say no or come back with uh, perhaps you know, meeting you halfway with the expenses. So it's always worth a try to renegotiate. And if a problem does come up during the due diligence or something that you think is insurmountable before you buy the property, it's always a great idea to ask your lawyer their thoughts on the deal and see if it can be solved. It's very, very important to get them involved early on they uh, have most likely had experience with a similar issue in the past and it's certainly something that if they can write it up in the correct way it's going to protect you as the buyer and make the deal better for you. And for example if you had to do some repairs to a property straight after you bought it to make sure that the property is still tenanted for example well that money generally can be a little bit hard to raise unless you've got it sitting around in cash. So going back to that example where you know, there were some window repairs and a bit of roof repairs and a car park to reseal. Now, if that was $30,000 and you know, you've just bought the property, well then you've got to find another $30,000 to fix all those things up. Now obviously if it's positive cash flow property, you could take it out of that cash flow, but it's way better to get the vendor to pay for those repairs before settlement of that deal. Another great question came in too the other day to my commercial property site and that was about regional shopping centres and the fact that uh, quite often in regional towns the tenants don't have any bank guarantee or bond in place. And sometimes people chat to me and they say, look, I'm not going to proceed with that purchase because there is no bank guarantee for that property in place. Or sometimes if there is a bank guarantee, it's so old that the amount of the bank guarantee is hardly worth anything. It might be just say $1,000 when based on the current rental income, it should be $10,000 for example. Now to my mind, these things need to be all weighed up in a, in a practical sense. So when you're looking at 
say something, a building that's got say six tenants and none of them have any bank guarantees, the first thing I would be looking at is how long have those tenants been there? Now if they've been there for five, 10 or 15 years say, I probably wouldn't be too worried, but it'd certainly be something that I would be fixing up when I review the leases and perhaps enter into new leases with those tenants. And by doing that, that's actually can be a small upside as well for the value of that property in the future. Perhaps not for rental return, but if you decided to sell part or all of that property in the future and the leases were all nice new leases with bank guarantees, quite obviously that property is going to be more saleable than one down the road that's perhaps got an old confusing lease and no bank guarantee or bond at all. But generally speaking, I have found it quite common in some of the regional towns that there is no guarantees or sometimes only half the tenants are paid or it's a smaller amount. So it's not an insurmountable thing. Get some advice from your lawyer and see if you can work your way through it. You may even decide to buy subject to new guarantees being put in place or subject to new leases being entered into as well. So that's all for this short podcast on due diligence issues that may arise. I hope you've enjoyed that. Look forward to chatting soon.